when it came to voting, there was there's a struggle within that. My ancestors fought for this right to vote. So I understand voting is an important exercise that propels me to do it. But my thought process with like, like I will vote because that is what I should do. That's what I ought to do. Um, but my thought process and my feelings about it was um, that my vote doesn't hold, hold any weight. Test, test, one, two, three. You know who I be. It's your boy, Don Wall, a.k.a. Moral SP. Of course, I'm here with Carl, the homie. Welcome to Embrace Matters of Richmond podcast season four. If you're just joining us on our journey, Carl and I have been getting to know our community and the issues that threaten to tear us apart. On today's episode, Carl and I will be having our final discussion on local politics. We have a special guest joining us today to help us reflect on what we've learned and how we can put these new lessons into action. Uh, I want a very special welcome to the pod for the very first time, a friend of the show in making, ladies and gentlemen, Councilwoman, 5th District Councilwoman, Stephanie Lynch. Well, hello. They're clapping for you. You just came <laughs> <laughs> We're really excited for you to be here with Good. us. Chamber applause. <laughs> Everybody the sound effects are amazing. Cheering. The whole gymnasium just went crazy. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. It's the first time having a redhead on the podcast, right? Most definitely. Absolutely. Wow. Taylor. Ta yes. Taylor Scott. Twists. Taylor Scott has red hair. Red in her Sometimes. Hair. Natural? <laughs> no. So I'm the first natural redhead. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. What an honor. Wow. Yes. Thank um, you. That's very special. So Glad to represent. Um, I... I recognize that we're, we're just meeting just now and there's a good chance that some people may not know who you are. You want to just take a couple seconds to shout out yourself. <laughs> <laughs> who am I? Introduce, introduce <laughs> us to uh, Stephanie Lynch. Oh, well, thank you. It's an existential question I ask myself every morning. Um, so uh, I am um, a social worker by heart training and trade. Mm -hmm. um, so that really is my orientation um, to, to life and kind of what drives me is, is really um, people and, we and talk, helping we'll talk more about that and helping people um, and particularly those uh, community members who have been left out um, or have been traditionally marginalized or maybe not had a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, that kind of, above all things drives my heart, my brain, um, and my body. Um, I'm also a mom, um, yeah. and, uh, I'm a kinship parent and, a um, so I'm a non-bio parent and a bio parent, um, to a wonderful, um, boy, 11 year old named Isaiah. Shout out, um, Isaiah. So, shout out. Um, a two year old Charlotte and a shout soon to be baby Grace. Shout out um, baby Grace. <laughs> maybe in two weeks, maybe today. Uh, I don't know. To be tonight. <laughs> be really exciting um spice things up um <laughs> but um and then i'm you know also a of course a, a representative um of the fifth district and of my community and i think um being a social worker and 
um, having kind of that that framework for operating um, and that those motivating factors kind of go hand in hand with my community serve my public service as a as a representative um, but uh, you know mostly I'm I'm a very restless and uh, like <laughs> and adjectives to describe <laughs> me. people being the like energy mm. is here, <laughs> Um, that, that type of restless, uh, neurotic energy that just keeps, mm-hmm. you know, keeps the, ba- I'm, I've always got my batteries on. Um, and I'm always thinking about, um, thinking, thinking about how to make things better and yeah. wheels are always churning. So, um, yeah, yeah. No, no shortage of things to say grace over in my world. That's for sure. That's awesome. This is honestly my first, I don't know about Carl, but this is my first time meeting a councilwoman Ooh. in my life. Oh, wow. So you're the first. Thanks. Um, hopefully not the last. <laughs> yeah, that is a really special occasion. It's a really honor. special occasion. We're going to get into some good conversation that I need because, like like we, like we, I said in the beginning, we're on this journey to learn. Um, so we've kind of put ourselves, especially in this season, last season and this season, we put ourselves in a position to make sure we're mimicking what we would like our listeners to, to do. You know, it's like, hey, this is how you sit and be humble mm-hmm. and listen and learn. And hopefully that changes some things. Um, but uh, I heard a little birdie told me that you've just had recently a big win in city council. Is that secret news or can you just explode it exclusively on Embrace Matters of Richmond? I'm that tr- way they have to listen to this in order to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm like, which one? Ooh, <laughs> can't be the, can't be the invasive plants legislation that we just did. Um, <laughs> that was a that was a spicy one though, y'all. Okay, I don't know. Back, um, yeah. No, um, if it's if it's in regards to um, the uh, expansion of homeless services in the homeless shelter, wow. Then um, that is that is not I would not say my personal win. That is a win for the community. Although it is something that I fought for yeah. for since I've been on council. Um, it took about, I mean, it's almost been four years, um, of fighting for, um, the, not only the service delivery improvement, but just having a physical space for, for folks to go year round, um, and getting really shifting the conversation in the way that we, hold ourselves morally responsible and obligated for the care of our unhoused residents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think prior to this, there was probably a debate about what the city's role really was. Yeah. In that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so really to me, if there's a, a victory to be had, I mean, it, it is absolutely, you know, that we are, uh, that we have this physical space and hopefully, you know, improvement of, of service delivery. Yeah. Um, but it's, but it's certainly, um, certainly more so about changing the pri- the way that we prioritize this population and the way that um, we view ourselves as responsible partners to not only the unhoused populations, yeah. but people who are living right at the brink of poverty mm. yeah. in this city. Because that's really what we're talking wow. about. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The um, flow of traffic. Plane. That's their- yeah. yeah. And what I've been seeing uh, in the past couple of years, too, that is a that's a huge win, and I'm super excited to to see that like develop even more. Um, but it's cold outside, even today. It's just like it's freezing outside. Imagine being on the street right now. <coughs> yeah. um, yep. And this sounds like we're moving in the right direction for people that need, you know, help. Uh, and you know, uh, this coupled with 
some of the, uh, not some of, but a lot of the food insecurity, mm-hmm. um, you know, movements out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we, mm-hmm. we already kind of talked about Taylor Scott, mm-hmm. uh, super friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, happy birthday. It's her birthday today. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, just seeing all of those things kind of come together and getting more to a place where people really have, um, people aren't looked over. Yeah. People aren't looked over, you know. Um, so that's that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I'm super excited about that. Um, now I have another question before we get into serious things. Okay. You're a Richmonder. You're a Richmonder. Not born and bred, but yeah. And, you know, Richmond, I don't know. Okay. People be sleeping on Richmond and other cities, but like we, we got a little community of great food spots. Yeah. Sure. I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> we have breweries. We have food spots. We mm. spo- Supposedly we're like the top city for burger places too because we have so many burger chains i thought i saw that headline yeah. somewhere mm-hmm. like that yeah. you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. real quick not real quick you can take your moment not the question top five oh food spots no in Richmond. what's up they need to know they need to know from you <laughs> oh no um i can go I hate first that i hate i know i could go forever and i hate this question because it really is like well what day is it and what do i gotta True. pay for and <laughs> like who's open right now because well, it's 2 a.m and, 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 and i well, just woke up and i need a sandwich um your yeah. top five is no, in no in no order in no particular yeah, order okay. make it easier. so i think i'll do how about i do categories okay that'll okay. that'll okay, make okay, me feel top little, five categories. okay <laughs> So um, if I am, and I'm sorry, because I I would shout out all my, I have, you know, no bias. Some of the best restaurants in the city are in the fifth district, obviously, right? So, um, (laughs) but I'm going to go across the city. I'm going to think citywide on this one. Sorry, fifth district folks. Um, So if I'm craving Let's start with soul food because it's probably my favorite food. Okay. If Don't I'm talk craving, too loud because Mama J's is right here. I know, and I'm so she's gonna. I mean, they're gonna really hate me for this, but. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> south side. So I'm going to do north side and the south side because I mean you got to, you know, there, there's yeah, a difference. Yeah, break it down. Family secrets in the north side. Oh, okay. LMBs yeah. in the south side. Sorry. Notes. Yes. Like family please, please secrets. Yeah. Um, the owner knows my father. Oh, they grew of up course. Together. Yeah. Well, DC. DC. Yeah. DC. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, pizza. Let's do pizza. Okay. Um, um, I I got to give a shout out to my fifth district. Um, pizza. Uh. Pizza Salon, Zorch Pizza in Carytown. Zorch, yeah. Yeah, so, so good. And then um, I think a close second is Hot for Pizza. That's fair. Love That's Hot fair. for Pizza. Awesome. I love that ambiance in there. It's like a Pizza Hut energy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, like actually, old school Pizza Hut, 90s Pizza Hut. Yeah. They achieve a Chicago deep dish pretty well, Yeah, yeah. in my opinion. It's impressive. Yeah. Um, and I look forward, apparently there's a, a Detroit deep, deep dish coming soon. I, it, um, the name slips me, but it's coming to Churchill, I think. Mm. Um, as far as, um, let's see, Asian or, or yeah, Asian food, um, Peter Chang, shout out. Yep, Absolutely. Bubble pancakes all the way. thousand percent. Um, uh, I'd say f- for a good Indian restaurant, which I love, I love an Indian oh, restaurant. Yeah. Um, we just had a wonderful experience at Carytown Indian, um, food, which okay. is, um, it's called Carytown Indian. Um, and, uh, it's right where Citizen Burger used to be in the, in oh, Town. okay. It's open. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Go, go check it out. Support our Citizen people. Burgers. Isn't it? No longer. Yeah. RIP. Um, I don't live on, you know, I live in Shore Pump now, so yeah, it don't look you down on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I used to live. Never mind. 
Continue. Okay. All right. I'm like, you you had me at short pump. I'm like, um, in any South case. of short pump. Not like, you know. Yeah. So, so you're I not like. rolling like that. You know, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm not, I don't have a Benz or nothing like that. You know, I don't, I'm good. Right. You're Patterson. Patterson is not really short pump. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. that's, um. I'm still, you know. That's basically close. like Willow Lawn at this point, you know. Essentially, not, not not quite. You're now your skirt. Now you're flirting with teacher. Let's not get too specific. Uh, yeah, we yeah, just like ask you out of. Don't tell Willow uh, you're you're losing credibility with the listeners. Are now. we still um, matters of Richmond? Is the real question. <laughs> I know. Now you should have Greater Richmond in your name somehow. Um, in any case, and then um, I guess category four because I'm a big um, soup person. Okay, that's fair. Love a soup. Um, Mm -hmm. and I like on a really cold day, I'm like, "Mm, where am I going to get some ramen? Um, Mm. you know, I'm, and I'm really, um, Ginza spot. Go and say it. What? Ginza spot. They have amazing. I, they, they do, but that's not what I was going to, that's not what I was going to say. I know. But the, um, the new, what's the new food dog? Because they have the Malaysian chicken ramen, and I'm like, oof, that's banging. Uh, ooh. On uh, Main Street? Yeah, it's also in my district. Um, isn't that, isn't that bad? Recall. It's something dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Something but dragon. where the old food dog used to be. Yeah, okay. So, oh, the, if you know, you know. Okay? You know. Like, if these people that are listening right now probably are hardcore Richmonders, and they know exactly what I'm talking about, and they go in there for their nice coconut Malaysian ramen. Oh, yeah. And um, that's... That's it's yeah. tasty. And if you don't live in Richmond proper or, you know, different places like Shore Pump, get out and see some of these places because they're amazing. Right? Yeah. You know? Check out Carytown, Uptown, shout outs, um, Street. Good thing we're trying to keep this under an hour because I have a follow up question to that. I recently had a serious debate about soups Ooh. and the, the fight almost broke out because oh. someone said that broccoli and cheddar isn't a top five soup. Hmm. We're talking about top five soup here. Yeah. And, you know, words were said. I had to break it up. But we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> we're going to leave it at that. Okay. That's a, that's, you got to look on your face like you're about, you about to agree with that, though. That's he- I mean, that's heavy. That's that's a heavy debate. And I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to get mired in a, in a debate. <laughs> I'm like not that. saying I was the one fighting. I broke it up because I said, hey, all soups. Oh, are this wasn't your equal. fight. No, 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 no. I just no dogs. Hey, we should friends don't fight over soups, okay. you know. But if you're really friends, you do. You know what I mean. You gotta lay down the line That's on a soup, <laughs> y'all. Or your chili, yeah. Chili, yeah, yeah. Chili is in the top five for me. Yeah. So is chicken noodle. I don't really like chicken noodle, but you have to say chicken noodle. Yeah. It got real quiet on this podcast, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> chicken- He's revealing things about himself. Golly. Can't be put back in the bottle. We're going to get off of this because let's get into some, some serious stuff because we could talk food all day. Yeah. I will I will say this, though. Um, one of my top spots, because I'm, I'm a wing. I'm from D.C., so Ooh, I love wings. Yeah. Mm. Um, the Cocky Rooster. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Their fries are always amazing. Yeah. They're boneless wings. I don't even eat boneless wings like that because, you know, I'm, really I'm, I'm an adult. Yep. But they're really big. They're really big, you know, and like... All of that. I can go all day. Mm. And they have a lemon pepper, buffalo lemon pepper sauce. Yes. So check them out if you haven't. That wasn't a shout out segment. But speaking of uh, shout out segments, um, Carl, I have a big fact, bro. Tell me. Uh, The big fact segment is where we, either me, Carl, or Stephanie Lynch, will shout out people, organizations, or events happening already making a difference in Richmond. 
This episode shout out goes to the Answer Brew Pub. Mm. Located at 6008 West Broad Street, Richmond, Virginia, 23230. Founder and chief beer officer, An Bu, uh, has, I hope I said that right. I'm Bui. not trying to, huh? Maybe Bui. Bui. An Bui. Uh, has gained international recognition in his years spent working at his family-owned restaurant, Mekong, which is located right around the front, uh, the Vietnamese eatery located in Richmond, Virginia. Founded in 95, Mekong flourished into an award-winning spot for beer enthusiasts because of its wide variety of rare and international beers and expansive food menu. After years of spreading his passion for craft beer to the local community and throughout, Bui decided to take things a step further. On September 2nd, 2014, uh, he opened the doors to the Answer Brew Pub, his very own craft brewery. Featuring 56 taps and two bars, the Answer has become another means of uh, continuous vision uh, for Bui and his family, uh, expanding as one of Richmond's top premier beer community spots people travel from different places to come to the answer brewery so the shout out goes to them but i have a special story to share because this shout out goes actually to a specific person on my birthday november 7th me carl (laughs) me and carl and another friend election day election day as well Mm -hmm. we go to the answer brewery and i don't even really remember how we were met by they were eavesdropping. That's fair. That's fair. But local guru and bringer of wisdom, encouragement, and all that other good stuff, Mr. Dwayne Washington, stepped forward and bought me and my friends a round of beer. Didn't even know me. I don't know him. I still don't really know him. But he stood up and he said something to me. He said, relationships are more valuable than money. And I was like, wow, that's actually really profound. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he bought us beers. He even came and talked with us a little bit. Um, and as he's talking, there was a guy that was visiting Answer Brewery from out of town. He needed a ride home to his hotel. And Dwayne took him. Of course. Of course, because he's a local guru. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you are ever at the Answer Brew Pub and you run into, he has a beer named after him. That's like at the the pub. Like he has a beer named after him. I don't think I knew that. <laughs> he's he's a he's a local guru. So um, that is a big fact. Yeah, that's a big thing. And, and that was a you heard it first here, y'all. Shout out goes to Dwayne Washington and the Answer Brew Pub. That was a big fact. Um, awesome. So moving forward, um, our podcast is in a very like special or interesting place especially starting season four. We started, um, it was kind of like the first time we really witnessed like in real time, something we were talking about actually like being talked about and unfold in front of us, you know? Um, And uh, that being the casino vote. Um, So... Um, before we get into like the aftermath mm-hmm. of the casino and the vote and all that kind of stuff, what did you think the outcome of the vote would be like before 
the vote? Um, I it's probably a little bit. I'm a like a um, what's a good word to describe it? How I see things. A very realist. I'm like uh, an optimist, but a realist. Gotcha. And um, and so my uh, assumption, given the type of electorate that would come out in a off cycle year, so not a presidential year. Um, was that it was not going to succeed unless mm. the casino strategists and or, you know, folks who were doing kind of like the grassroots um, uh, lobbying for support, mm-hmm. educating everyday voters, unless there was some drastic changes in the messaging and the strategy, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, Richmonders are very, I call them, I, we're we're a righteous group. Um, we're also rebellious, yeah. and we don't like being told what to do, <laughs> and we really don't like being told what to do twice. Um, so, oh, I kind of true. had. I think. I mean, really. Um, I when I ran, uh, my perspective might be a little bit different because when I ran, I ran in that electorate uh, up mm-hmm. against another project that folks had a lot of disdain for if you all remember the navy hill yep. project Goodness. oh yeah that was a time yeah um and that in fact <laughs> my I, I ran in that special election in 2019 and that special elective election became a referendum on the navy hill project itself mm-hmm. um and so i had a lot of experience knocking doors in that type of a climate um talking with those voters that would likely come out in an off cycle year, Mm -hmm. um, particularly motivated by a project that they, you know, some liked and some didn't. Mm. Um, So I think I had more, probably a more unique perspective than, Mm -hmm. um, than some of my colleagues and maybe some of the other, um, the other folks that were working to get garner support on that effort. But the moment that they placed it on, the 2019 ballot, I mean, 2019, woo. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Freudian slip. Um, the moment that they placed it on the off cycle 2023 ballot, I thought it was gonna yeah. not do so well. That is fair. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective because I was a little bit uh, pessimistic about it. Um, I was afraid that it, like, I'm against it, I was against it, but I was afraid that it would pass because, you know, understanding how much money was going toward it. Uh, what the slated benefits would have been uh, that people would have a change of heart. You know, there were people knocking on my door twice a week leading up to the election, mm-hmm. and I was really, really concerned. Yeah, but grateful now. Yeah, um, I, I was, was never. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we. I didn't uh, think it was it's, gonna it's make helpful it. to like. It's like a lot of this is another topic, but like you know, when you have fears, your fears kind of change when you're a little bit more informed. Like you would, you could be afraid of a shark, but if you sure. know what kind of shark it is, you wouldn't be afraid of it. That's fair. That was a shark for me. Mm. That's fair. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was left out of the vote because I don't live in the area to vote on it. That's right. What would um, have you, how would have you voted? You I would have nayed it. I would have nayed it. Um, I tend to think more just along the lines of the people that's going to be negatively affected by it. Right. Yeah. I look at, other cities or I look at Richmond Mm -hmm. and also look at DC and I see it's like, man, like it's being gentrified. It's being changed. The culture is being impacted. People are moving into it and like kind of forcing or people are moving in it and they're, they're getting the things that they want. But the people that's lived their whole lives their families that have lived there forever Mm 
mm-hmm. haven't seen a bit of resources or support. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, you know, when that came up again, I was just like, man, like, well, what about the people that's going to make it almost impossible to live there because the people are already struggling financially and they're just keeping their head above water. That thing comes in here. We all know what happens. The property value is going to going to skyrocket through the roof. We're going to start seeing, um, you know, businesses and stuff like that move into this area, which it's 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 money driven, and then people are going to be forced to forced to the edges. Yep. Um, and I was just like, well, then if that if that's the outcome, then I don't want, you know, if that's the motivation, you know, like and and then to twist it and be like, this is going to impact that area, and they're going to be able to benefit from it. And I'm like, we've heard that song and dance before. Um, so I get that's what I thought about it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, I guess the 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 outcome was no again. <laughs> um, no even stronger. No even, no even stronger. stronger yeah, double I love the memes and all the the oh, things yeah. that we got to see from like the the zombie walk. Yeah, and things that showed up just like no, not again. Yeah, yeah. Um, w- but with the the casino, there were valid concerns, and the vote came to people in favor. And people in favor had a, had a reason Southside doesn't get much right. uh, mm-hmm. for decades, generations even. And then voters so not in favor had a valid reason. They were concerned about the impact of what a casino and gaming would bring to our community, community like you said, mm-hmm. uh, and then just general Richmond. But now that those who di- voted not in favor, what I'm wondering, like, what is our responsibility to the South Side? Now that there is no casino, there won't be $26 million coming out of that referendum. What What is our responsibility now? And then what do the folks who were in favor of the casino need from us? It's just a, one of the things that we have to think about now. Yeah, I, th- I think like that's a question that I think about, too, because there was so after the hoopla, it was like a lot of people had a lot of things to say. Um, and I, I don't know about Carl, but I heard a lot of people who wanted the casino be really upset about it. I mean, I'm seeing, I, you know, I saw it on, <laughs> I saw it on social media. I, I saw it in person, um, you know, and the, the cry or the, the, the sadness about it was like, oh man, that would have been so much fun, you know, to, to enjoy, like. I don't want to have to keep driving up to DC or to Maryland for MGM. That would have been awesome to just have right around the corner, you know? Um, and it's not, it's not really about the deep stuff, but it's about man, like Richmond never gets anything fun, you know? Um, but I guess that that's the question is like, what responsibility are people missing? Do you feel? Oh God, what a layered question. Um, so first of all, I, I mean, it's kind of this this casino, like other economic development projects in the city, exposes some of our deepest wounds. And to address the elephant in the room, expose, exposes some of the deepest racial tensions that we have in the city yep. that have been ironically the cause of systemic oppression and redlining for well over 120 years and be, and and longer before that time before red lines even existed right but mm-hmm. um i think that a lot of our um economic 
development projects become this beacon of hope. Yeah. Um, mm. And psychologically, and this is, you know, sometimes a tactic of whoever's in charge of, you know, gaining support for said project or, you know, who's leading the charge on said project. Psychologically, there is this tendency to project all of the hopes and dreams of yeah. a certain community um, onto, you know, the, the thriving and surviving of this project. So you'll hear things like, if we don't get this, mm. the entire community will be in, in, will remain in collapse and ruin. Ultimatums. Ultimatums, right? And right. I, you know, <laughs> I think that we have to be much more, I think if you would have presented the casino as an opportunity for it is what it is, right? It's jobs, it's some economic uh, uh, uplift in the area, probably not as impactful realistically as um, as, as what you're des describing, only because it yeah. was not ever intended to be a high-end MGM situation. It's more That's fair. probably like a Rosie's mm. with some green space and some concert and live show opportunities around it. I don't want to ever disrespect MGM like that. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, so... And it probably realistically, again, I'm a realist optimist, guys. Um, mm. It probably realistically would have lasted maybe 12 to 15 years. Yeah. Um, and we would have seen some revenue coming back to the city. Would it have been enough to um, support the over <clears throat> half a billion dollars worth of infrastructure needs that all of Southside has? Would have been enough to save education and um, create sustainable universal childcare forever? Would it have been the panacea to dissolve the racial and extreme um, uh, barriers that people who are in a certain economic income bracket mm -hmm. experience in their day-to-day -day lives? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, would it have been helpful? Sure. It, it you know, I think, and I think if we are, I think if we are to be honest about some of our economic development projects, as opposed to um, turning them into the snow globe or the panacea of mm -hmm. all solutions for all things that have plagued Richmond and particularly Richmonders in poverty for, you know, 200 years, I think we would be in a better, in a better position. Um, mm -hmm. And folks might be more likely to support something if we're just honest about what that opportunity is, yeah. right? Um, and not make it, you know, something that it may not be. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that being said, you know, do all of those challenges still exist for our voters in the 8th and 9th and, and some of my voters south of the river in the 5th mm -hmm. and in the um, – and in the, the – Seventh, sixth district, yes, they do. And um, there are great, great atrocities happening in this city every day that True. make life really, really hard for people who are living at or below the poverty level. Yeah. Um, and that those are the things that get the least amount of attention. True. They are the things that people don't really focus in on from a policy perspective. Um, and don't truly understand how to solve. And I mean, that's where mm -hmm. my, my social worker lens comes in because we're trained to, um, look at how do, do, how do we make policies that work better for people 
who are in poverty to actually build wealth and uplift communities as opposed to trying to solve or slap a Band-Aid on, mm. on something, right? right? I mean, the fact that we have, so there's, we've reduced, and I, I'm air quoting here, we've reduced poverty <laughs> enrichment um, from 26% to 19% in a matter uh, of less than a decade. That's not a fact that we should be proud of because yeah. we haven't, necessarily lifted those folks out of poverty they've been lifted out of richmond okay that's what i was wondering yeah. um and the fact that we have a school district that is 66 percent of our kids are living at or below the federal poverty level um whilst our um neighborhoods right before our eyes mm. are being not only gentrified, but public housing opportunities that existed for a very long time are not being um, replaced one for one. So right. we're, we're taking off housing inventory every single day mm -hmm. that would have gone to working or working, working the work or what we categorize as, you know, folks who are making less than $40,000 a year, which is a lot of our single moms. Right. Um, a lot of our, our single parents, that is. We, again, there are atrocities that are happening every day that some of which local government can influence, some of which needs to have a stronger, um, we need to be positioned in a stronger way at the state level. Mm -hmm. Some of these things are federal. Um, but, yeah. you know, unfortunately, those things, again, don't get a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, and so what we wind up doing is we wind up focusing all of the things that anguish us onto these types of projects. And instead of us spending energy and time on like fixing the, the responsiveness of social services, for example, right. fixing the wait times for people to get their food stamps or their, uh, or their snap cards, fixing universal childcare, ensuring that our education system, public education is actually working for our kids, that we're right. creating career pathways. Instead of focusing in on the thing and affordable housing, real affordable housing, instead of focusing in on the things that will actually help and lift up our lowest income community members, mm -hmm. we get fixated on these, you know, for lack of a better term, shiny objects. Yeah, Again, <clears throat> does that mean that this particular shiny object was, um, you know, had it had it gone through, was it going to be the end of the world? Absolutely not. I mean, guys, it probably would have done some good for, it probably would have created some jobs and done some good for the community. I, I do believe that. Would it have had some negative impacts too? Yeah, it would have had some negative impacts yeah. too. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it was not the end all to be all to solve all of our problems. Right. And so it is now our responsibility to do some of that, th that stuff, which we know mm -hmm. is, is going to make an impact on the lives of people who are struggling paycheck to paycheck. Um, right. But my fear is, is that I don't know that there's enough will, mm -hmm. attention, or intention mm -hmm. to really fix yeah. and solve those problems for the, for the least of these in our community. Yeah, and that's where this podcast comes in to play. Um, and I'm glad you said a lot of what you said because that's kind of what Carl and I's echo has been. Um, you know, in 2020, we saw this city split in half before our eyes. Like, you know, it, it was 
I never thought that I would be living through something that I felt like my parents or grandparents lived through. You know, people marching, people at odds with each other, communities <clears throat> separating, um, and just, you know, people on one side to the other about things. Um, and when the dust settled of it, I was under the impression that the people that had a lot to say were going to now move some sort of, going to be in some type of action. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm going to step up to the plate and be a person of action. I'm not going to sit by as a bystander anymore. And that's what one of the catalysts for me and Carl to start this podcast. And we wanted to teach people. Um, and even now, it's as if 2020 didn't happen. Mm-hmm. People move about <laughs> that, that like, like there wasn't, you didn't see an issue? You didn't see a problem? We're just going to walk over. We're just going to push past all of the things that was uncovered in that in that year. Mm-hmm. And so my, my question has been lately, is this city even ready for another thing like that? You know what I mean? Like, are we even, like, I, I even look about look at the casino and how people were at odds. There were two sides. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously people weren't marching and stuff like that, and it didn't get, crazy but just I don't know know. it came close (laughs) but just to see that this city has real potential but we have real issues that need to be dealt with Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. Um, and it starts with you know I even add a layer um, to the you know the state level the federal level but I would say even the just the community level Mm -hmm. I think Richmonders the greater Richmond area um, need to focus in on their communities. Mm-hmm. They need to be focused on their schools, not just their kid, but the whole school's health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like they, they need to be focused on all of those things that create um, a livable space for people. Um, so I'm really glad you said that. You know, man, it's such, such a blessing to have you here. Because oh. um, <laughs> um, when, when they hear from me, they're like, oh, moral, okay. You know, so when they hear from you. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I will say, um, moving forward, and this, this next topic is a little bit more personal, personal for me. Um, our last yeah. um, main squeeze um, you know, we were reflecting on what we had learned about, you know, within the election that just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> having you up here as an expert um, in in the conversation, uh, it's informative. Yeah. So it puts me in a position to really, I mean, we, we all, we, we learn, y'all. We really learn. But <laughs> we do our research. We do, re, we do do our research and we do struggle with those thoughts and stuff like that. But to have you here really allows me to struggle with information in real time. Um, so I had questions like, well, before I tell you the questions, well, uh, this, so, this is what the, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So when we had done our first episode, our, our, our progress progression for how we learn is, is from ignored or ignorant to informed. Mm-hmm. And, um, in our ignorant phase, we essentially just put out all of our assumptions and what we know so far. And in that, that moment, Dom had indicated something to the effect that his vote didn't count. Like his participation didn't count. Kind of perspective mm. snitching on me a little didn't bit. Didn't count. Snitching on me a little bit. Um, and I was like, I was a little, a little shocked by that. And then, you know, of course, with the casino and the vote and the people that we know who are voting, 
we had a say in that outcome. And Dom needed a little bit of encouragement uh, from my point of view. And mm -hmm. I, we think, and my assumption is again, and uh, you, you shared this with me the other day when I first spoke to you about this, was that it's a lot about what people don't know. They're uninformed, and because of that, they don't feel like they are welcome to cast a vote or to, to participate. Um, but I wanted Dom to share a little bit about like why you felt that way. Yeah, so I grew up in a very pro-black family. Um, and, you know, knowing my history, being very grounded in being um, aware has always kind of been there. That's called, was kind of been the aware of what? aware of my <clears throat> skin color, my size, um, how I, especially when I moved to Richmond from DC, like hypersensitive, right? Okay. You know what I mean? Like I went from Chocolate City to White Chocolate City, <laughs> um, and you know, it, I've always been kind of taught to be aware <clears throat> um, and to to learn my history. But when it came to voting, there was there's a struggle within that. My ancestors fought for this right to vote. So I understand voting is an important exercise that propels me to do it. But my thought process with like like I will vote because that is what I should do. That's what I ought to do. Um, but my thought process and my feelings about it was um, that my vote doesn't hold hold any weight, um, if that makes sense. Like um, that whoever, I'm being really, really vulnerable with you actually, um, whoever is elected ain't got my back. In the history of the history of looking out for black people in this country, although there's been amazing steps forward, like you know, amazing civil rights, you know, um, uh, acts that were passed and stuff like that, I get that we ain't still in the cotton fields. I get that. Um, so obviously, legislation has moved forward throughout the years, but there's still always been this ghost or blanket over whoever. It doesn't matter. That's when, you know, you, when, when 2020 happened, there was a lot of like, oh, well, you know, Democrat, Republican, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, man, I could care less about who, because neither party could care less. Like both parties don't care about it. <laughs> um, and it, throughout the years, that's what's been, that's what I've observed mm -hmm. is that it doesn't matter who I vote for. At the end of the day, whoever becomes president, whoever gets into these positions aren't going to look out for the marginalized. What Either they don't care or they can't or there's a lot of red tape or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. It seems like our comeuppance is always halted by something. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I guess it made my voting action kind of like, hmm, like, okay, here we go. Like, here's the lesser of two evils. Now, I, I do, before doing this episode and this journey that we've learned, I uh, would always, you know, I would look at both candidates um, and I would look at, you know, okay, they for this, they for that. Okay. I'd pray about it and 
whichever I'm like, okay, this person, I'm going to vote this way. You know, I pray about it and go in there and vote for them. That's what it is. Because above all things, how I feel is whoever God wants to be in that chair, that will be in a chair. And God will take care of anything of, you know, God will take care of us as he always has. That's my belief. Um, so God is in control. I get that. But I've never felt like my thought process going back to that. My feelings is never been or has always been. This doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, here you go. Here's my due diligence. Here's my civil act. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's where my. I hope that makes sense. I hope that made sense. Yeah. No. Okay. Absolutely. And you know, sadly, um, you've been given far too many examples of politicians that are just that. I mean, mm-hmm. the reason why. What you're speaking to is disenfranchisement. Mm. Um, that is why we have entire voting blocks of people in this country and in this community and yeah. the local level that feel completely disenfranchised um, from the process. They feel extremely distrustful mm-hmm. of their elected officials, no matter uh, who they are, right? Um, and there's um, almost a, a, an automatic disdain for mm. the system because the system has not been for them, for us, for the marginalized for you know hundreds of years. Um, and ironically, it's really hard and it gets really complicated because no longer are the days where the community can say, well, I'm just going to vote for the person that looks like me mm-hmm. and expect that the outcome is going to be favorable for me. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we really are challenging our people. I, I think we really need to challenge our people to dig in to, again, what are the policies? Like when we say, when we say we want someone that is not only going to talk the talk, but walk the walk of the Black Lives Matter movement, of um, really fighting for communities that haven't had a voice. What exactly are we talking about, right? Okay. Are we talking mm-hmm. about, like, we need to, we do, we need to, ch- as, as, as civically engaged individuals, we need to identify those policies that are really going to make a difference and mm-hmm. then get behind the candidate or the person that's actually going to push for those policies, right? Because if right. you vote for somebody and put someone in office and then they go down and they bulldoze a housing project and they don't replace, you know, the we don't get one-for-one one replacement in this city and we wind up pushing out a bunch of our uh, very low-income people of color and shoving them out of neighborhoods, mm-hmm. I don't know. That doesn't sound like a great policy outcome, right. no matter who it is that was in charge, if it was you know, black, white, purple, who, whoever, right? Like that was not a good policy that reflects um, a good outcome for the very communities that we're trying to preserve and, and enable to thrive, mm-hmm. right? So it's, I think it's more about challenging our citizens to get, to get really laser focused. What is it? What, what is, what is the, that, that um, truly creates equity um, if that's if that's what you're going to the voting booth for, mm-hmm. right? Because um, some people just go to the voting bo- the voting booth uh, to vote for their paychecks, um, and you have a lot of that in America, right? Yeah. Don't raise my taxes, don't touch my paycheck, don't screw with my money, and you have that on both Republican and, and Democratic sides. 
But there are those of us um, who are going to the voting booth, truly like yourself, who mm. want to vote for the people that they believe will do the greatest amount of good for the communities that they care about the most. Mm. Um, and it's really hard to make that choice, right? Because a yeah. lot of folks can say, I'm all about equity. I Look at me, you know, I this is my bio or this is my, you know, platform. But but at the end of the day, as a community, we have to identify the policies that are actually going to make a difference for people right. because we can put you can throw a hundred million dollars at affordable housing. You can throw mm -hmm. you can, you know, put um, you can say that you're going to work on policies to more um, equitably redistribute wealth in in this in this in, in the local from the local level on up. But unless it it is actually impacting what people feel and touch and see every day, mm -hmm. that's your benchmark. If it's not if it's not really impacting people, then right. it's not really then it's just words and it's not really making a difference. So yeah. that's the really challenging part is we're asking folks to, um, I think, really dig into some very complicated policy issues and mm -hmm. very very complex social issues that exist and have existed um, in our country due to the vast, vast, vast wealth disparities that have been created, not only through systemic oppression and racism, but through institutionalized, um, uh, through capitalism. Um, and yeah. <laughs> we're saying like, That's hey, true. find the solutions and then vote for the right person and make sure you don't screw up. <laughs> so yeah. it's tough. I mean, we're really putting a lot on voters to do the, to, to do their homework. Yeah. And what I've also learned through this journey is, um, we got to get informed. Got to. Um, got to. I think a lot changed for me when we started researching and looking things up and reading things and having conversations, things changed. Um, now at, at the same time, I don't, you know, I'm not like the switch didn't go from here to the, the, you know, Uber obsession with politics. Mm -hmm. Um, but, understanding what's going on mm -hmm. is different. Mm -hmm. And I think with that, it helps me to have a more f hopeful <coughs> disposition mm -hmm. uh, than like, Oh, okay, here we go. You know? And I, I, I feel also having more conversations with other people. A lot of people just aren't informed. They don't know what's going on. They just want to see change. Um, and I, I agree with you. It's like, you know, that focusing in on policy, which policies are going to, have that impact and then getting behind that that um the individual who was pushed or for that or right. you know yeah. what do you think needs to change in the political environment and culture and and people's behavior in order for people to be more informed but also for that to be more accessible yeah Oof. um well for one <coughs> um i think that um i'm a I, as you probably know, Carl, I'm a really big advocate of uh, community organizing and um, and really starting at the very grassroots level, um, neighborhood by neighborhood, mm -hmm. with building our civic fabric back up. And and when I say that, I'm not talking about you know the traditional. Um, God bless all the seven of us that show up at a civic association yeah, meeting. Goodness, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm talking about going into communities like Belt Atlantic in my district and building relationships one family at a time and trying to connect each, trying to connect those families and those communities back with one another. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the greatest thing that's probably ripping apart our communities um, is isolation. 
and hate. Okay. Ba- you talk to any community elder in the city of Richmond, and they will tell you that, you know, in the 60s, 70s, uh, on on up, there were no truancy officers. <laughs> there mm-hmm. were no... There were no, there was no childcare crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a gun violence crisis. It's because every neighbor goes back to your village mm-hmm. perspective. Every neighbor and most of the community members were interwoven and intertwined in some in some way, and they cared yeah. about each other. Yeah. And if you were skipping out on school and doing um, something you weren't supposed mm-hmm. to do, yeah, the answer wasn't you know let's call RPD or Let's um, go out and uh, go take a gun or take a weapon and go <laughs> try to find that person. Yeah. And it was, you know, we're gonna call, we're gonna call your mom, and we're gonna, you know, try to handle this um, in our own neighborhood and our own community. That has been lost, and the, I guess, you know, the way I see it um, as a social worker too, from that, from that perspective, is that there's so much healing. That has to happen from the years of generational trauma in our trauma-impacted communities that people have become so isolated um, and there's so much anger built up in Mm -hmm. people's hearts and people are responding and externalizing that behavior. And that's why you're seeing this rise in violence and and it's in our schools and it's in our neighborhoods. And um, we've got to do the hard work of building those communities back up again. Mm-hmm. That right. means that means organically going in with community leaders and, the, and we've you know got a great um, hats off to New Life Deliverance and some of the great work that we've done um, at the Belt Atlantic community and some of our other communities. But I mean, it's hard work because you're talking about going in yeah. to a very disenfranchised community, to mm-hmm. a very, uh, to to individual families and individuals who have been very isolated from one another and from each other, right. who have lots of trauma and lots of anger, and who are dealing with things like I don't have enough money to put food on the table, the right. scarcity mindset, all the things that just the trauma that comes with living in poverty in the city and in America, mm-hmm. and then trying to really rebuild that fabric and find love within themselves and mm-hmm. for one another. Yeah. And it, it is, um, we don't have enough, I think, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in those communities and neighborhoods, we, don't, we do not have enough focus um, or resources going in to build that connective tissue back. Yeah. And until we, until we do that, until we build that village back up and build those communities back up, we're going to continue to see the same outcomes over and over and over again. I hate right. to say that, but that is... That's a cycle. That's the cycle. Right. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I'm very passionate about, um, really, really passionate about getting, uh, you know, starting from that level and building that back up. And, and it just start it starts one neighborhood at a time. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, we're running out of time, but um, just like, especially with, with that and, and being more informed, I uh, want to have like a solid takeaway that we can mm-hmm. you know, give to our audience, and, but specifically us. Because uh, we're definitely benefiting from you being here. What about the mechanics of just the impl- political, specifically Richmond political environment? Mm-hmm. Do you think we need to know in order to be better voters, better community members, better advocates, better embracers? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think just the fact. I mean, 
I it, I will tell you that you've inspired me and it makes me feel very encouraged that um, you all are even attempting to be informed and be engaged because there are so, so many people that mm-hmm. are just com- completely, you know, strong armed um, the the civic engagement process. Right. They, mm-hmm. um, for a multitude and myriad of reasons, don't just don't care to, to know yeah. or be involved. Um, and, and that's okay. Cause you know, people have kids and lives and, and whatnot, yeah. but the fact that, um, that you've taken the time to try to educate not only yourselves, but other voters is, is really encouraging and we need more of that. Yeah. Um, I think that our local government process is not easily accessible. Um, our school board, meetings are are slightly only slightly more accessible than our city council meetings and our school board makes some of the most important and impactful decisions um in this community that that truly truly affect the trajectory of our kids lives in oh, ways yes. that we will i would never be able to do a whole other episode on just that oh actually. i think you you should invite some of our school board members um okay. that's a good that's, that's homework yeah. um actually later on next year uh in the back half of season four we do plan on um, talking, having an episode or education, yeah. education, a topic yep. of education, yep. breaking that down. So, yes. And um, and I think, you know, there are a lot of issues that um, I wish received more attention in our city. So I guess my always my uh, call to action um, for any anyone that will listen is to um, if you can find it in your hearts and, and in your schedules, to pay attention and sign up for newsletters for your local uh, city council folks. Okay. Um, you know, we all have Facebook pages. All of us, um, the majority of us do newsletters that has hyper-local community news. Mm. Um, a lot of us focus and try to share information about what we're doing um, on council to impact local policy. Mm. Um, you know, most of us are on committees that then have a pretty like that, you know, make decisions or have an oversight function that make decisions and have an impact of important matters. Um, you know, I'm the chair of education, and human services, and I use that committee to really draw attention to the issues that I feel are really, really important to our most vulnerable community members, homeless shelters, mm-hmm. improving homeless services, improving department of social services, improving our, uh, child care um, access, um, it, everything from that to, you know, measuring whether or not the funding that we're giving out in local grants is mm. actually working for non for mm. to, to impact people. Right? Right, right. So, I mean, there's a lot of work that is being done constantly. Um, the wheels of local government and government generally churn really slow mm-hmm. and are not responsive to the to the, um, the, the crisis moments that people are experiencing and um, are not as responsive to um, even the, the matters that they want solved in their own um, neighborhoods, like more speed, ta- more speed tables or, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Carl knows this. Um, so, so it can be really frustrating as, mm-hmm. a, as a citizen to get engaged because, you know, it, it takes – the, the wheels turn slowly and it takes a long time yeah. to see the progress. But I promise you, promise you, promise you that if you get engaged and stay with us and advocate for that issue and keep after the things that you believe in, 
Um, yeah. You will see the fruits of your labor. And if you don't, and if you don't like their vote, then change their seats. There you go. Okay. And I was saying, <laughs> thank you so much um, for your words of wisdom, your insight, uh, your passion, everything that you've uh, just like blew this topic out of the water um, and thank really you. helped to drive it home for us. Um, and for our listeners, um, very informative and helpful for me uh, personally, actually, on my journey here. Um, but embraces out there. It's time to get informed. And it's also time to be involved. Um, I've always set the charge that if you want to see the world around you change, you have to be a part of that. You know, a lot of these things sound hard. It's because they are. But, you know, if we were a community of people, not just one or two, but, man, if we were an army of people who were dedicated to turning into our community and being informed about legislation, being informed about different meetings that's happening around the city, being informed about the atrocities that's happening around the city, being informed about the um, the, demogra- the different demographics and people who are being harmed by certain legislation or not, then we would be able to make better, more informed choices about what we do, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, and how we spend our vote. Um, Carl and I both have learned so much, um, thanks to Councilwoman Stephanie Lynch and our research. Um, and in just a very short time, it's life-changing. And it informs how we act or interact with our communities now going forward. And that's what we want for you guys. We want Richmond to be the best city in America. Um, Not because we have the most money or anything like that, but we have the most people who are dedicated to our streets, our city. Um, Our city can't stand without the people in it. Um, So it's time to turn in. It's time to really have some really hard thoughts um, and wrestle with those um, and push yourself. Uh, to really see what's going on. Open your eyes because it's happening around you. Um, yes, thank you so much again for joining us, Councilwoman Stephanie Lynch. Uh, if you want to take a quick 30 seconds to plug, um, I know you have a nonprofit and you have some other things. If you want to just go ahead and uh, you know plug that. It is Giving Tuesday. Uh, no, I'm just joking. It is um, Giving Tuesday. <laughs> That's right. If you guys had a nonprofit, you'd plug that. Um the um, uh, organization I work for, really, really proud to um, serve Virginia's Kids Belong, where I am the executive director. We are a 501c3 nonprofit that supports foster families and kids in foster care and works to dramatically improve outcomes in the child welfare system by both um, empowering our um, lived experienced individuals to advocate for themselves and by helping our foster care kids find their forever families. Mm. Um, wow. That is the goal wow. and a place to belong. So check us out, vakidsbelong.org. Mm. Um, we are a really um, very grassroots, scrappy little nonprofit organization, mm. but uh, but it, it has been a true blessing to be able to serve with them and, and my colleagues that, that are on that organization. So Awesome, awesome. Yeah. You guys check that out. We will make sure that we have that in our show notes as well so they can – physically see it um but yeah uh thank you guys so much for rocking with us of course as always on our next episode carl and i will be having our mid-season review the new year is drawing nearer and nearer 
And this will be a great time for us to look back so we can see our path clearer going forward. Thank you guys. We love you and we'll see you on our next episode. Peace. Bye. <laughs>